and welcome to the Unhinged History Podcast, the podcast where just prior to recording this, we've discussed the hijinks that might happen today and literally said oil in the freezer. Come with your own conclusions. We will not be elaborating or taking questions at this time. Thank you. <laughs> I'm Teresa. I'm Angie. I mean, I would ask how you're doing, but I did just allude to the fact that we had a very bizarre and entertaining conversation about oil in the freezer. So, you know, these are things. These are <laughs> definite are. things. Uh, speaking of oil in the freezer, not that anything segues with that. But <laughs> <laughs> in other um, news. <laughs> there have been multiple times when the... Uh, TV remote has gone missing, and the first place my husband has looked for it is in the fridge. One of those times, he did not find the remote in there, but he did find a pair of socks. (laughs) 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 So, okay. He's got it too. I'm I'm proud to say that I passed on that gene. And no... Disclaimer, I did not put oil in the freezer. No, that we, that was a hypothetical. Yeah. But a bizarrely probable hypothetical. Weird, right? Yeah. Yeah. So my husband has hated coming home when we first got married and he came home to find like the door opened to the basically kitchen, right? And then you'd walk through like, the kitchen to get to the living room, the rest of the house. Well, he walked in and every cabinet door was open. Oh my God. And he thought we've been robbed. No, no. I put away dishes and then groceries and I didn't close any drawers. So he's, he's explaining and complaining to my aunt who is visiting about the types of shenanigans that he has to deal with because he just lives in this hyper paranoid did we get robbed or did my wife clean house? Because, because if she did. <laughs> yeah. There were and steps. <laughs> as soon as, you know, he is telling the story, my uncle starts laughing and points at his wife, my aunt. Because apparently she cannot close a cabinet door unless it is in the way of opening another cabinet door. So there must be a support group for this because Ethan does the exact same thing. Every time he puts the dishes away, every single drawer and cupboard is open. And I and I always wonder why, because if you're putting the plates away, you put all the plates away at once. If you put the silverware away, you put all the silverware away at once. And he's like, uh, no, that that's not. But I mean that I still don't understand why you have to close the door like that. That's, I think, where where he and I both get lost. Like, OK, let's assume that 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 you do grab all of the plates and put them in the thing. That last final step of closing the door, that doesn't pop into my brain. And it won't yeah. unless it's physically in the way of opening the next cabinet. Yeah, for me, no, it has to be closed. I will open and close it multiple times to make sure it stays closed. And I'm a calorie conservationist. I do everything I can to conserve as many calories as possible. (laughs) Like that is a superfluous move. I refuse to make it. The door stays open. Because your genes have got you used to running from the English. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and quite frankly, I am going to survive. (laughs) Because I refuse to close the cupboard doors. You know, hey. If you're able to cut calories there and not, you know, cut consuming, but cut expending, then you can survive fighting the lion because you have a surplus that you have in your body. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 So whatever, whatever. I know. And I only know this because I I barely just finished editing last episode. I I know that you went only solely. And then that would mean I go only and solely. And so it's really my turn. In fact. You like this really (laughs) horrible segue? Um, Well, it's better than oil and um, 
in the freezer segwaying to socks in the fridge. No, but see, there's overlap, right? Like, and I, I could edit it to make it even sound better. I won't, but. <laughs> but I could. I mean, there's a possibility, right? Yeah. Um, do, do you want to hear my story? Yeah. Okay. I, I mean, mean I show up like, for your that's actually face, why I grabbed a chair and drug it through the hallway. Um, uh, yeah, I, I show up for your beautiful face, but I did not need to drag the chair for the hallway for that. I could have just sat like FaceTimed and stayed on the couch. Um, <laughs> so having come to Portland, do you know about the Shanghai tunnels? I can't say that I do. And okay. now I'm so very intrigued. Okay, so I will start with my sources and I will present you with a question. I like this. Okay. Uh, my sources are the Graveyard Tales podcast. They have an episode on this. The Offbeat Oregon History podcast. Because I was on a bender, the Haunted UK podcast. They have an episode called Portland Ghost Stories, which felt like, I mean, if you're the Haunted UK and you got to come to Why my you, area. Yeah. Why I, are you reaching out to Portland? You're the UK. Right. But to be fair, they did come and visit. So it was a little bit business, a little bit pleasure. I respect it. I'm here for it. Legendsofamerica.com, Portland, Oregon Underground, Shanghai Tunnels, an article in the Oregonian, The Truth About Portland's Shanghai Tunnels by Mac, Mike Rogaway, and then Culture Trip, A Brief History of Portland Shanghai Tunnels by Anna Kramer, and oldtownbrewing.com, well, it's really otbrewing.com, Haunted Past, and then I went so far as to undermine the credibility of all of my sources with the last one, the TV show Ghost Adventures, season six, episode one, Shanghai Tunnels. You know, if you'd have led with that one, the rest would have made it all work. No, I mean, <laughs> it was really the last thing I watched. It didn't add to the story. I could have left it off. But you know what? It's spooky season and they're ghosts. I mean, hunting. you know, okay, these are all things. So, okay, the question. Do you want me to start with a ghost story or do you want me to start with history? Can you, Ooh, um, your own adventure. <laughs> I want the ghost story first okay. and then the history. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So if you go to downtown Portland, you can go into what is, you know, the historic Chinatown, there's a pizza place named old town pizza. Okay. And it's said to have a consistent guest. The guest is Nina. Nina? Nina. Yeah, it's spelled Nina, but it's pronounced Nina. Oh, okay. okay. So it's spelled William, but it's pronounced Deshaun. It's spelled William, but it's pronounced Will I Am. <laughs> Oops. I've been yeah. saying that wrong the whole time. Yeah. Um and Nina's the resident ghost, right? And if you go to the coffee shop, and you can go there today, like the, these are things. I, apparently, in the seventies, William Willem Dafoe was quite the connoisseur of this pizza joint. I love this for us. If their website can be believed, okay. You know, so you know when you're self-reporting, you could say that President Biden fell and knocked a tooth out on a bar table when he was just a wee one, and you can say these things. And it, and it checks, yeah. Okay. I mean, you know, you're the source of the info, so you can say whatever you want. Right. Um, well, okay. So if you're there, apparently you could report feeling her presence, smelling her perfume. Sometimes you're going to see her in a, in a black dress and she's going to be observing the other patrons or just wandering into the basement. She's getting more dough. She clearly works there. Yeah, I mean... So it's it's kind of interesting when you think about it like that. But according to the restaurant, Nina's been there over a hundred years. And, and is the, it a restaurant the whole time? No, no. Okay. Uh, the pizza place used to be something called the Merchant Hotel. Okay. And where you order the pizza now, that's the hotel's original reception desk. Okay. And I mean, it's it's beautiful. It's it is gorgeous. And the the desk is flanked by the original decorative cast iron beam post or yeah beam post and you're just like oh so it's it's just this gorgeous really old timey hints of victorian architecture and you're just like it it's gorgeous but i'm here for a six dollar slice of pizza pretty much 
Okay. And so beneath the pizza joint are Portland's Shanghai tunnels. I have, I'm literally so excited. You know nothing about the Shanghai tunnels? Nothing about the Shanghai tunnels. And I'm sad that I didn't before I came because I could have spent time there or in theory. I mean, honestly, I, no. okay, uh, I'll, I'll go into, I'll go into it. I'll go into it. Cause I, I, I want to like sidetrack my own story. Um, <laughs> Sorry. <Christina. laughs> if the sources can be believed was a sex worker who was sold into white slavery. Okay. Now this, I didn't go back and listen to the episode on Mrs. Sherlock, you know, Grace Humiston. And I should have, I really should have, because I very easily could have brought up white slavery before. Do you, did I, do you remember anything about white slavery? I think it was mentioned, but I don't know that it was like in detail. Like, I think it was just a side note. Okay. Um, so Grace Humiston, Mrs. Sherlock Holmes. Um, and again, she was on, she was in New York city. So this is opposite ends of the, of the coast. She. But same time frame, Yeah. Uh, no, because Grace Humiston was like 1916, 1918. Um, oh, that's right. Okay. And Nina was like 1850, 1880. Okay. okay. So, but anyhow, like, so it's, it's been a minute. Um, so Nina, uh, so, okay. So Nina was originally sold into, into white slavery. Now for Grace Humston in New York, white slavery was kind of the dog whistle of their time. They knew that there was, you know, sex work happening and that some of I'm going to say some, and this is where this is going to get a little, it's going to go crazy, um, of the women involved were not in it voluntarily. And there were conspiracy theories that there were rings of white slavers that were operating as a cabal, basically, in the dark underworld. And Grace Humiston really derailed the latter half of her career and undermined her own credibility as she proceeded to chase down these white slavers that didn't exist in conjunction. Like they, there were people that were pimps that were exploiting women. Yes. But there was not a network of them operating in conjunction as part of this. Ring. But it is something that she believed was. Yeah. Okay. And she pursued all of those leads despite the lack of evidence. Hey, you know, when you believe in something, you believe in it. Okay. So now we go back to uh, Portland, Oregon. Now, when Portland was created, Portland was a lumber town. Like right. you'll hear it called Stump Town, and that is literally because of the stumps. Right, right, right. Okay. So, as Portland was created and all this is going on, it's primarily a male dominated city because a group of single men are basically what founded it and built it. And so, women pursued one of the oldest professions, right? Now, there is some theory and some story around Nina, but that Nina was a single mom. She's trying to make it work and she would uh, go, you know, work in these beds, in these tunnels to make the money to support her family. And that she was a, some, some sources say she was a victim of white slavery, but I just wanted to flag that that is, that is problematic I mean, the whole system's problematic, um, but it could be based in falsehood uh, if you're assuming that white slavery is this big, massive group of people of like-minded all working together to... Right, okay. Okay, so all of that. So as she's going through this, Nina meets a couple of missionaries and I got a, I got a pen on this one too. Not, the missionaries want to save Nina from this life, but they also want to bring down the ring of white slavers, which make that's what makes me suspect. Because if you're a missionary, you're trying to save people, their souls primarily, I'm assuming, and then try to help them out. But they wanted her to get info on the white slavers so that they could bring down the entire ring. So this this either feels like a competition, like of a different pimp, or of a DA, but it doesn't feel like a missionary to me. And maybe I just am unaware of the Indiana Jones of missionaries in the 1880s. Uh, yeah. I mean, I know that there are, there are people out in the missionary world that that's their goal. Like they're not that that per se is their goal, but they're, um, they're, 
skill set is different than just bringing your soul to to Jesus. Yeah. Um, a like the movie Freedom. There are groups like that that okay. that try to like human trafficking and things like that that yeah. very much fight against that. But I'm not sure that that was a thing back in the 1800s. It, yeah. It it just it doesn't. And maybe I'm ignorant. I'm very good at being ignorant. Um, if you've listened to a couple of episodes, you, you'll figure that out. Um, but either way, they they want information about the operation, so they send her back into the the hole, so to speak. And if she's able to come up with enough info, they'll free her, which it just feels pretty crappy. But she cooperates and is soon found dead after getting thrown down an elevator shaft. That doesn't feel very missionary to me. Well, I'm not assuming the missionaries are the one that pitched her over the edge. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> I mean, just floating that out there. But either way, um, now that elevator shaft exists in Old Town Brewing's pizza or Old, Old Town. Uh, yeah, Old Town Brewing. Old Town Brewing. Yeah. So if you go to the pizza joint, Old Town Pizza, that elevator shaft, that area is now a booth. And there is a brick in that booth that you can read that says Nina. That's where her name's carved in. So that makes me very suspicious. I mean, I'm assuming I could have carved my own name. I could go there today and carve Jack in a brick underneath Nina's. And now we'd end up creating a backstory. So I find that suspect. There's a couple of things in here that I'm like, "Mm." but either way, you know, people are saying. People are peopling. People are peopling and people are saying that Nina Nina hasn't left. Okay. So uh, now, how much do you know about the concept of Shanghai? Because I heard it as a child and I remember using that phrase. I can can remember being a young elementary school student talking about Shanghai and people are going to get Shanghai. Correct me if I'm wrong, but is it not to um, abscond with someone else? and, And it originates in the idea that that was happening in Shanghai. You're not too far away. Yeah. Like, so that, that all makes a ton of sense. Like, yeah, you'd be roped into, to that. And so, okay. I'm just going to dive into my story now, because now that we've gotten through all of that, um, if you think about Shanghaiing as an illegal practice, the best place, according to several articles is to go to Portland, Oregon. So, which I was just like, wait, what, what? That's so, a, all right. Back in like 1850-ish and then moving forward in time, uh, Portland was referred to as the Forbidden City of the West. Oh, all right. So again, founded by a group of dudes, you know, and apparently dudes were duding. <laughs> dudes were duding. Dudes were duding. And so the Shanghai Tunnels are about to raise a lot more questions and they're so full of legend and hyperbole that it's it's been hard to disentangle what is truth and what is myth because for the last 180 years we've had the opportunity to really expand on what those early stories said right so shanghai itself refers to capturing and selling able-bodied people and i'm gonna say people you know but in this case we're so people on the whole, but men in this case were being sold off to sea captains who needed shipment. So if you think about it, sailing the ocean, incredibly dangerous, incredibly difficult. And now you're all coming together and you finally get to a port where they have some decent fear and food and beer. And you're just like, forget it. I'm done. And you just leave your captain's employee. And now he's stuck and needs people. <laughs> is it technically leaving your captain's employ when you were uh, forced there? <laughs> See, this is before you were forced. This is how you find the captain who is willing to do anything to get that boat back on the water. Oh, okay. okay. And, and this is all the lead up. So at that point, you get unscrupulous middlemen who kidnap and sell men off to captains for as little as 50 bucks a head. Oh, okay. Which, yeah, I mean... That's a, that's a bummer. And these poor men are forced on ships bound to Asia without pay. So Shanghai in this regard, where the term to me, I like as I grew older and realized, gosh, that just sounds problematic. I was just like, it must be the Chinese doing it. But truly, it was white people doing it to people to take them to places like Shanghai. 
I mean, that checks. Yeah. So according to legend, and then there's some historical data that men were being Shanghai in Portland from around 1850 all the way up to, got a year? Starts in 1850? 1956. Dang. Year went later than I thought. Um, 1941. Oh, I figured it had to be, it couldn't be like 1850 to 1852. It had to be some like really unexpected. Yeah. So basically almost to World War II Um, and things were at their worst, supposedly during the prohibition. Okay. That actually also checks. Right. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, there's a lot more happening. So while NASCAR was getting its footing and really developing its rum runners, Portland was making booze and then smuggling it out. You know, so the saying the Shanghai tunnels or the Portland um, Underground consists of a bunch of tunnel passages that link from Old Town or what is now called Chinatown, even was then, and through the central part of the downtown Portland area. Reportedly, many of these tunnels went to the riverfront itself. Okay. But there's there's a lot of debate about how that would be feasibly possible. Okay. Now, many of the basements and downtown bars and hotels are linked to the Willamette River, the waterfront through these tunnels. And truly what that what that did is it allowed boat captains to get goods and and things well, goods from the boat to downtown shops without having to manage the wet windy streets a lot of you know, the issues and just the people and all of that and you could just get it right to your merchant's basement clever i mean it makes a ton of sense um many of the residents used to doubt that that was true like they all thought that that was a you know a wives tale or whatnot but these catacombs do still exist so and well, not only do they me. so okay but so there's things right and the one the one thing the ghost adventure show did have that i thought was fascinating and if i had learned it i'd already forgotten it you think of like a basement as a single level right there have been research done where they figured out there could be several levels of these tunnels. Okay. Which is fascinating to me. Now, since the, the mid 19th century, stories have been told about these Shanghai practices in Portland and how they affected both men and women being kidnapped. You know, the men would be oftentimes sent out on boats all the way to sea and the women would be sold in these white slavery deals. Um, Oftentimes, these people reportedly were drugged. Again, it's really hard to go back in time and test people's blood for a date rape drug and all that kind of fun stuff. But they did have these things called knockout drops that they said they were using. Now, if you were put on a boat, chances are you were, you know, going along other ports, you know, maybe San Francisco or, you know, but a lot of these other big West Coast cities were big harbors of this kind of activity okay and that makes sense right i mean even now you look at you know the i-5 corridor as just a major thoroughfare of of nefarious activity um but the portland underground tunnels are claimed to have had a lot a lot more practice or made the practice much more manageable and then more widespread than what you see in other areas you know basically it all happened just below the surface and if we're telling the story we're going to be the baddies of it we're going to be the biggest baddest people involved so according to these theories women victims were either drugged kidnapped while intoxicated or just simply knocked out um some of these and i've gotten to go on like one of the ghost tours So they have some of these things called deadfalls where it might be a bed or a couch that looks totally innocuous. And then you pull a lever and it, the, the floor drops out and that piece of furniture, couch, bed, whatever is completely secured to the floor. But when the floor drops out, you fall and are removed from that. And then it pops back up. And it's just an empty corner of your bar. So are they suggesting that that 
this these deadfalls are what get you onto the riverfront like well, these deadfalls drop you into the portland underground right 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 into the shanghai tunnel so that while you're there you know now that you're in the the tunnel now you can oh okay i'm i'm throughout this this time i gotcha yeah sorry i probably <laughs> didn't explain it thoroughly i get i get so excited and I, my brain is going down a thousand different directions so you can still see some of these deadfalls and then some of the local businesses you'll see areas where the flooring suddenly doesn't match like there's this corner that is clearly like very different bricked over where the rest of it are original hardwood floors it's because they bricked over that deadfall that makes sense because when you were describing it initially, I thought the deadfall floors were already in the basement. Oh yeah, no, <laughs> thankfully. I mean, these these were in businesses, so you imagine yourself you're getting hammered in a bar, and now you're you know kind of ushered off by some of these nefarious characters into a darkened corner, and then when they know they can get away with it, they pull the lever, you fall into a holding cell, and it comes up. In theory, according to the myths, there could be people up underneath waiting for that body to drop. And then you're simply, you know, carted off through these darkened tunnels to the boats. Right. Okay. And I know I'm given a lot way with here with my language, but so they were saying that during the prohibition, bars themselves actually moved their operations underground, making it easier to have these unsuspecting victims Shanghai. Oh, Okay. I mean, if you're not supposed to be drinking at a bar anyhow, because the bars aren't supposed to have alcohol, you simply move the location of the bar. And now if everything's underground, well, no problem solved. Right. Brilliant. I mean, it sounds incredible when you think of it. I mean, if you're going to be a bad guy, at least be smart about it. Yeah, it's genius. I just take notes. <laughs> well, researchers estimate that as many as 1,500 people a year were shanghai through Portland's underground. Whew. I mean, and this that's a ton of people. That is a yeah. ton of people. Where was Miss Sherlock on this? Uh, she was too busy on the well, East Coast. <laughs> so entire scenarios about the practices and experiences of the Shanghai and the tunnels have been created and elaborated on over the years. So everyone's building on to the, well, here's how I would do it. Here's how I would manage this. And so... These catacombs do exist. You can take tours of these today. I mean, when Kiddo was an actual infant strapped to my chest, I did do one of these tours. That's awesome. Um, and these stories, they sound almost plausible, but then you'd start diving in and going, is what my tour guide telling me true? Like, you know, what evidence do we have? You know, how can we actually go and understand what we're looking at and then substantiate this? So... While you can still do it and see these tours, it's it's really incredible because you think about it and you can imagine what it would have been like. But then you look at the oral history and you start really trying to match it up with what's happening. And it's it's really hard to think about this logically. And so there's some historians that doubt that Shanghai, as we're thinking about it, took place in these cities, including Portland, and they they really are suspect of the connection between the tunnels and the basements and the hotels and bars and the kidnapping. Huh. So we've built a lot of mythology, but they're like, uh, uh, I mean, yeah, this sounds awful, but uh, let's look at facts. I mean, to, not to play the devil's advocate here, but wouldn't the first piece of evidence be these couches and beds that just drop you into a lower floor? Like, what other purpose would that serve? I mean, maybe it did happen, but maybe not in the numbers we're thinking. Because okay. you can find piles of shoes, men's shoes, in these tunnels. Oh. Which is a very disturbing thing to see. Yeah. Now, in one of the podcasts, they... They talked about how, even though we haven't been able to find a link between these things, if you were going to drop someone in, into a holding cell and they were unconscious, if you took their shoes and put them in a pile somewhere else where they can't get to them and then put broken glass around them, now you've caged them and then you can retrieve them at will. And according to one story, this actually happened to a person's grandfather. 
where he was able to tell this story where he was, you know, taken and got put on a boat and got all the way out to Astoria, which is on the coast. Portland itself is inland via rivers. I know you know this, but in case some people are thinking Portland means port city, meaning on Mm. coast, I want to elaborate. And they ended up fighting to get off of this boat and to tell this story themselves. So, I mean, so there, there are some tales about this and you can go see these piles of shoes where people were obviously like they lost their shoes. They, you don't just leave barefoot if you can help it, you know, so there is such a weirdo. I mean, look to everybody (laughs) who sees the one shoe on the highway and has questions (laughs) all the time. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, these are things. Um, Okay. So in fact, when you're looking at details and stuff, the earliest mentioning that we have of, you know, these, the Shanghai and the tunnels comes from the, you know, 1970s that we're really seeing like hardcore evidence. And so it seems as if they really doubt that there's been like some mass cover up, but we don't truly know, like we're hard, again, we're having a hard time separating these myth and legends. There's an article from the Oregonian from Uh, February 5th, 1919, that describes a delegation of city officials to Portland's Chinatown. It says they stalked, stumbled, and at times fairly crept through the subterranean labyrinth of Portland's Chinatown yesterday, viewing great steel barred doors, secret panels, and carpeted stairways. The tunnel said, or the article says the tunnels and were passages to gambling dens, but nobody mentions Shanghai. Okay. And so then you're like, okay, so let's let's go a bit deeper. So according to Portland historian Barney Bollock, who described <laughs> the practice. Sorry. Of, it's Blalock. Blalock. It's not Bollock. Sorry. That's <laughs> I got excited. I know. I'm my apologies. So he wrote a book in 2014, The Oregon Shanghaiers. And mm-hmm. Blalock. Blalock and others maintained the tunnels were never used to Shanghai sailors. They were built by Chinese back in the days when Chinatown was the center of gang activity related between the different tongs. The gambling dens, brothels, and opium parlors of Chinatown were connected to separate labyrinths with steel doors, trap doors, and secret stairways and tunnels that led into faraway alleyways for escape. And if you think about it, like, so it said, okay, the security measures were designed for dealing with both rival tongs and police raids. That is actually a really common thing for specifically the Chinese to do. Believe it or not. We have the same set of tunnels under downtown Sonora. No kidding. Yeah. And so, so there are two, there are two conflicting stories that come from this the first one being that because sonora was a she's called the queen of the southern mines a big mining town um the miners built the tunnels underneath so that they could safely get from one end of town to the other with Mm. their bags of gold like they could deposit it into the bank with their bags of gold um the other and more likely story is that because so many Asians were brought to California during the gold rush. They built the tunnels for their own safety. Like they lived down there for their own safety because there was still some very heavy prejudices. Right. And I tend to think that that one's far more accurate just because of the, um, we know the amount of work that was put in from them. Like there are still fences built by them here. There's still um, quite a bit of very visual things that you can see in the area that we know that the Chinese built. And it makes sense that they would go underground for their own safety and for the safety of maybe if they had a family. Right. Like they acquired one when they got here, whatever the case may be, however they ended up here. So it does make sense. And it's not the only town that I know of that has that. That's incredible. And I love that, you know, you, you come with that, that injury, like that history, I was going to say interesting history and I combine them. And so it was injury, which not the word. <laughs> really I was going injuries. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, no, 
No, not at all. Um, so I mean, I find that interesting because you think about like in some of the podcasts we're talking about, you know, the, just how the Chinese built these these tunnels and everything. And you're just you're just I mean, I, I don't know. You're just I'm fascinated because you think about like you have that secret back door to your opium den, to your mahjong game, whatever it is. And then it's like, oh, crap, the popo. And then it's like, well, here's the secret way. And some of the tunnels connected, some of them didn't. And it was just like, you had your way to get out. Like, that's what you wanted. Everybody wants their escape hatch. And yeah. then knowing that, like, we do find evidence of people living down there. And some of them were the Chinese families or some of them were brothels being held underground. So maybe there are elements of Nina's story that are true. I just, I feel like we're, we're trying to, you know, connect quite a few disparate aspects we're trying to connect some dots that don't have numbers in between yeah you know there's some yeah, others, just, there's some walls in between those dots yeah i'm just saying uh, the likelihood that they built them for their own safety is incredibly high and then prohibitioners could very easily be like oh this is useful right you know like <laughs> you stumble across somebody's incredible tunnel system and you've got nefarious activities that you want to deal with well great right Maybe you pay rent to your Chinese landlord and you have your brothel down there. You make your moonshine down there. You do any number of things you can get away right. with. Right? And maybe there was Shanghaiing that occurred. And then maybe you choose to, you know, collect that 50 bucks a head. And you do so, you know, at a smaller scale than what you're accusing of. Really, the whole thing is really opium dense. All opium dens. I mean, not all opium <laughs> dens, but you know, they just, I found that, I found that fun. Um, so blockade, Balak, Blalock. I have covered so many names. I have, I have done <laughs> a variety of cultures. And the one that is smacking me in the face is presumably a white dude. Which is only makes it better because we work so hard to say the names right. And when we come across the one we can't say, it's usually of our own ethnicity. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, yeah somebody who looks right. like me is giving me the hardest time. So Blalock cites an eight day series in the Oregonian from 1933 that examined the practice of Shanghai sailors that never mentions tunnels. It hmm. says that the fluctuation of the Willamette River in the years before it was dammed would have flooded the tunnels much of the year. Okay. And I'm just like, well, yeah, that makes sense. And the last thing you'd want to do is have to swim that last quarter mile to an area without air. Yeah. You know, like, I I doubt you, hmm. you're that desperate to escape. Yeah, I'm solid. So one of the ways, and, and this was mentioned in a podcast, I had to make sure I didn't write this in my notes, is you're talking about, you know, and Blalock agrees that the likelihood of being Shanghai'd in a tunnel is, is basically nil. If you are getting money for a person to put them on a boat and they are inebriated or unconscious, why would you need to take them underground? So the Go through the streets. Above ground, don't see them. Just go. Well, but if you're on the street level and you and your buddy are carrying their shipmate who has had too mm. much to drink back to the ship, you could execute that theft in broad daylight. Yeah, my friend's just an idiot. Yeah, he found the Jägermeister and we kept saying no, but boys will be boys or whatever nonsense. And then you just walk him onto the boat, you collect your $50 bill, and you saunter back out to catch your next person. Mm. Okay. Like, you don't have to be, like, in one of these tunnels. And coincidentally, if the tunnels that go all the way to the riverfront could be underwater, you don't want to take that route anyhow. You can't really take that route anyhow. <laughs> right. But I mean, like, in the instance of the person who... Her grandfather was was Shanghai and he was in a tunnel, you know, after, you know, he woke up there without shoes like that. Like we do have some accounts of that. We do have some oral stories from families, you know, but with that, like. 
I believe he in this situation was given knockout drops and told to take them again. Like he woke up in the holding cell without shoes underground. And, and then it's like, Hey, the only way you're getting out is if you take some of this, whatever it was, you know, but they, they refer to him as knockout drops. And then he wakes up on a boat. Hmm, okay. And it's so just that, like that holding cell doesn't necessarily need to be underground or all the way underground where the river's flooding. Right. Like, I mean, it could be underground and it could be through a deadfall and, you know, you could have those things. So elements of these stories could be true, but you don't have to be taken exclusively through these tunnels to get to your ship. Right. And so I'm like, okay, that makes sense. We're finding aspects of the truth woven into this mythology. Yeah. Okay. Um, Now, with all of that, we do hear of many supernatural accounts and activities within these tunnels. And some believers consider the tunnels to be one of Portland's most haunted or more one of Oregon's most haunted sites. And if you watch ghost adventures, whatever, or you're a skeptic, you're going to roll your eyes. But conspiracy theorists and fans of the weird and bizarre are going to want to see for themselves. And so you can take these tours and you can wander through these underground passages and you can see this with for yourself. So do you want me to show you some of the photos that I have? Yes. Okay, <laughs> let me share my screen. I'm so excited. So this oh. right here is in old town pizza you can go see this today and this is a deadfall trap so you can see how you could be reclined on that couch and it could drop now it has been reinforced and secured and whatever so that is you can very clearly see the different angles of the floor as well to suggest that there was definitely something going on there right uh i should describe this photo so you see what looks like an old timey 10 type or calculator thing on a stand next to it is a uh, Victorian level or Victorian era couch with the high straight back with the mauve purple um, upholstery. Like it, it, it just area correct, era correct, not era correct or area. Anyhow. So then this is from, I'll let you describe it. <laughs> I mean, this I could, is, but this is from underground, very clearly. Um, looks like it could be shelving for uh, your like storage, but mm-hmm. uh, is that what it is? Is that? Yeah, I mean, it's it's storage of some kind. Okay, so there's a window. Well, at least it looks like a window in the far right of the image, and then three shelves. But the shelves do look big enough to hold three men on a bunk bed. I mean, yeah, so bunk bed size shelving, lots of brick, lots of old stone work. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, there's that a ladder right there in the far right? I can't. Yeah, like I, yeah, yeah stairwell well kind of deal. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so old rickety, you know, yeah, stairs. Don't go down on it. Yeah. Oh. Now, the cool thing about this last photo that I'm showing Angie is you see the original um, stone walls of this basement and then you end up seeing a brick archway and the brick archway itself was bricked over and then there are there is an area where about half of the bricks within that archway have been knocked out and it is a passage and if you go through the ghost tour you can take these types of photos and wander through holes like that yeah and so, like, if you ended up having, like, carte blanche access to every, you know, little business in Chinatown that has, you know, a basement, you can see many of these areas that are bricked over. So one of the only beneficial things I got from the Ghost Adventures episode what when I watched it was hearing business owners say, you know, when you are in the tunnel, you could look up and see the access point where from here it is bricked over. Okay. So you can still see a lot of the entrance points to these tunnel locations, whether or not they are accessible. Like, so if you had access to the, you know, the tunnels now, it's not like you could go through and rob all of the businesses and make a clean getaway. 
you know, like they've taken invasive maneuvers. And there was, there was a report in one of the things I read where there was a big, like, I can't remember what business it was, but it was clearly a fortune 1000 business that came in. And when they came into the downtown Portland area, it was, we need security measures to block off all entrances so that we cannot be taken advantage of. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, that makes sense. That's a lot of good things to have and to need. Yeah. But I mean, and I guess I should have really gone at it from a different storytelling angle because like, I knew all of this when I was telling you the story in Nina and I was just like, I really don't view, I don't know. I feel like we saw the brick Nina in old town pizza and then made up a, this very solid backstory without a shred of evidence. I mean, isn't that how most ghost stories work though? Yeah, I mean, because you look at like what the last one you told me of Mary Howard and the Carriage of Bones. And, right. you know, you get to, boy, this rather historic woman has survived several dead husbands and many men who failed her in her life. And that's the reason why you see a hound in the middle of the night running across the street with a single blade of grass in its mouth. And that <laughs> hound is doomed to do it for the attorney. It's like, what? Excuse me? <laughs> When I read that part, my my thought was, why the hound? Like, is that symbolic of the, like, and the fact that the story could be told either way, that either the hound is Mary or the hound is her eternal companion. Even though we don't see the hound in her life. Ever. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I I know. yeah, the, the carriage how... of bones bit. That part is is creepy as all get out, and I'm here for it. Um, but again, there's no evidence to suggest at all that she had anything to do with the, her husband's downfalls. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, even even if she did, it's so fun to me to see how people, like culturally, people make stories that can explain whatever weird phenomenon is happening, right? Like when our power was out, I looked at Ian and said, you know, I can see why ghost stories and supernatural stories are so prevalent from pre-electricity because I'm looking out into the distance and you can't see anything, but maybe a rabbit moves and you hear it. Or, you know, maybe just that one flash of light and you think you see anything and it's just it's just a shadow of a tree or whatever. But how our brains automatically are like, oh, oh, fill in a blank. There's a story here. Nina. (laughs) Nina was dropped down an elevator shaft. The end. Yeah. And it's like. And it, I don't know. And like, I would love to be able to say that that's the thing, but it's like we couldn't find those connections in in reality for um grace hummiston and that makes me incredibly suspect when i hear you know well she was sold into white slavery it's like oh no that that term didn't work out last time when i tried to really run that rabbit down (laughs) this didn't work on the east coast guys yeah but i mean to be fair grace hummiston was you know conceivably years and years after dinah if Nina did exist. And maybe Nina is an archetype of a type of woman who found herself as a single mom and turned to sex work. Um, Which I'm sure is far more common than not. Way to be that guy. I'm not trying to be. Like, I tried to come up with enough information about a ghost story from the town immediately next to where I grew up. And I, I still have not been able to cobble together more than a few paragraphs. Isn't that sad? It is pretty freaking sad, but a lot of it is, again, based off of there's one ghost story that I can't substantiate and nobody can really get past. Hmm. And so maybe I can dig up Homeboy's backstory and then tell you the full thing. But until then, I'm just stuck with, well, here's a three paragraph ghost story and a bunch of history around the place. Which I know is fun anyways. I mean, yeah. But like, if you, if you are in the Portland area and you think about, you know, really wanting to do some of these tours, do them, do them and, and understand that your, um, 
tour guide is likely fed the same history that the tour guy or the tour guide shop, the ghost tour owner company has. And like, okay, so let me back up a second. So the, the person, there was a person in the early 2010s who owned the ghost tour company, I guess management's changed, but he claimed to have a lot of evidence to substantiate his claims on the Shanghai tunnels being used to Shanghai people. Um, and he said, we would all learn about his evidence in his upcoming book. Book has never been published. Oh, okay. And, you know, if it's a decade past the time you said you were going to publish it and you you have not cited your sources, I'm oh, going to assume not. there are no sources. Of course. It's just very convenient, you know? Yeah. So, but it's still, take the tour, enjoy it, but, you know, take it with a grain of salt and recognize the dark forces or energy you're feeling could just be the anguish of the marginalized Chinese workers that built the tunnels they were forced to live underground and maybe not the white slavering or it may or may not have ever existed yeah the white slavery ring that may not have existed or the shanghai men who we do find their boots we do find evidence that people did suffer down here but maybe not in the numbers of like 1500 men a year yeah i feel like there'd be a lot more stories if that was the case like more, uh, you know, family generational stories being passed down, you know? Yeah. Like my dad came to Florida via Portland, via Shanghai. Right. <laughs> that is quite a circle. And I think about like geographically that wouldn't work because you wouldn't go Portland, Florida, Shanghai or Shanghai, you know, like that's not the direct route. It would be the other way, but yay, Pacific Ocean. You know, whatever. Florida. I mean, look, obviously I'm not good at history. Obviously I'm not good at geography. Like there's a lot of <laughs> these are things. But so if you've enjoyed listening to us and you can't wait to see what we bring as far as more spooky stories, um, rate, review, subscribe, share, drop us a line, tell us you like us or don't. You know, we don't necessarily need your approval. It's appreciated, but we've survived this long without it. Damn it, we'll go another week. Hey. And on that note, goodbye. Bye.